Well, good morning, Christ Central. Yes, my name is Huey, and I have the great privilege of serving as one of the pastors here at Christ Central. So thankful and glad to be here with you this morning, and I hope you had a great 4th of July weekend. Uh, I am incredibly uh, grateful um, to God for the men and women who have served to um, protect our our freedom, those who have served, those who are currently serving uh, to serve our communities around us. Uh, may, May God bless you. May you feel his nearness and his presence with you and for you. Um, Church, if you have your Bible uh, with you, and I hope you do, uh, please turn with me to Psalm 84. Um, That will be the focus of our attention this morning. Psalm 84. Friends, Psalm 84 was a song written for a pilgrimage an Israelite would take to the temple which was built on Mount Zion in Jerusalem. At least multiple times a year, a faithful Israelite would take a pilgrimage to the temple to celebrate different feasts that commemorate his people and to remember how he set them apart uh, from all the other nations around them to be his holy nation and his treasured possession. The temple was a central place where God had designated to be the place where he will uh, he, will, he would dwell among and with his people and the place where God's people could be nearest to him. So a pilgrimage was a rhythm that was embedded into the life and faith of the Israelite community so that they might remember who they were, who they were, and whose they were. It was meant to shape and form their identity as a people loved and chosen by God. And I am personally drawn to Psalm 84 because of the language of longing that is woven into the fabric of this entire psalm. Psalm 84 expresses an insatiable desire and a passionate angst for God and to be in his presence. And I believe Psalm 84 is worthy of our attention this morning because all of us, have this longing for God. This longing for God is at the core of what it means to be human, and every person created in the image of God has a longing for God deep inside of us, a longing to dwell in his presence, a longing to live in fellowship and communion in relationship with him, and every longing on this side of eternity are mere echoes and counterfeits to this ultimate longing that we have for God and to dwell with him in his presence. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. He writes, If I find in myself a desire in which no experience in this world can satisfy, the more probable explanation is that I was made for another world. So friends, my prayer for us this morning, my prayer for you this morning, is that God would form and shape our longings and desires for him that he would uh, awaken us and stir the affections in us afresh so that uh, we would long and for him and desire him. So let's give our attention to Psalm 84. As I read, please follow along with me in your Bible or on the screen. Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. 
My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house ever singing your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointing. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. This is the word of our God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Here's my outline for us this morning. First, there is blessedness in the longing. Second, there's blessedness in the pilgrimage. And third, there's blessedness in the reward. So the longing, the pilgrimage, and the reward. First, there's blessedness in the longing. The psalm begins, the psalm by saying in verses one and two, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. The psalmist here is speaking of the temple, but he's not merely describing how lovely the temple is. The psalmist here is expressing his love and delight for the dwelling place of God, for the temple. He says his soul longs, even faints for the courts of the Lord. These words are an expression of all-consuming passion and zeal. There's an ache of temple and the angst of wanting to be there is so intense that the psalmist has come to a point of exhaustion. You know, some time ago, I took one of my sons to watch the Harlem Globetrotters in Eagle Bank Arena. Uh, At this time, he loved basketball, and you know, when I mentioned it to him, like he was just so excited. Uh, We watched YouTube clips, you know, days before leading up to the event, and he was just kind of amazed at what happens in these shows. So, you know, we, we, we drove to Eagle Bank Arena. We got there maybe just 15, 20 minutes early. We were walking around the, the, uh, the, the stadium. We were, you know, look, you know tr- uh, going to concession stands, buying popcorn and, and, and drinks, and we were walking around these, you know, little gift shops, and he was just so excited this entire time. But when when we finally got to the moment where the show was about to begin, he was so exhausted. He was so exhausted from the anticipation, from the excitement of having this, you know, come before him that he just exhausted himself. And when the show actually started, he just kind of lay lifeless on, on, on my lap. And for about an hour and a half or two hours, however the long show was, he just did not say a word. He was exhausted. And I think, I think this is what the psalmist is trying to get at. There, there, he had this angst of wanting to be there, and it was so intense that he exhausted him, himself. The psalmist longed for God's temple precisely because of the one who promised to dwell there. 
In verse two, the psalmist writes, my heart and flesh sing for joy or cry out, what does he say, to the living God. In other words, the psalmist's longing was a longing for God himself, not just to be in his sanctuary, but to be in his presence, to be with him. Now, why does the psalmist long for God with such fierceness and passion? I think it's because of what the psalmist understood to be true about God. You see, according to the psalmist, God is the Lord of hosts. And it's referenced Lord of hosts four times throughout this chapter. And it literally means God Almighty or Lord of heaven's armies. It's a title that speaks of God's transcendent sovereignty and reigning power over all that he has made. It's a title that means that he is the God of all gods and the king of all kings who is matchless in his being and power. The psalmist also says that you know, the God is the Lord, and the Hebrew word there is Yahweh, which was the sacred name for God that meant that he was the faithful, covenant-keeping God committed to his people for their good. And the psalmist called God the living God, the one who is involved and active, the one who neither sleeps nor slumbers, the one who is near and not distant, the one who is the source of all life. So the psalmist longed for this God because he was totally moved and enamored by who God is in his nature and character. But not only that, the psalmist finds God's presence to be a place of safety and refuge. In verse three, he writes, even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. You see, this image, this is an image of a small bird making a nest for its home in the temple as if to say, for all his infinite greatness and grandeur, the Lord Almighty cares for the smallest of creatures. You see, in God's presence, the least, the weakest, and the most vulnerable are seen and heard and known and loved. So friends, do you see why the psalmist longed for God with such all-consuming passion and zeal? Do you see why the psalmist longed to be in the courts of the Lord? You see, the psalmist found God in all of his nature and character. He found God to be big enough, strong enough, wise enough, powerful enough, profound enough. He he found God to be kind enough, gracious enough, beautiful enough, lovely enough, and he alone all sufficient enough to satisfy the longings and the desires and the needs of the psalmist. So how could the psalmist not long for this God? You know, a few days ago, um, we read this, we read the first four verses of this psalm as a family uh, around the dinner table. And I gave a small piece of paper to everyone and asked each person to write down something that they longed for, that they wanted, that they desired, like right in that moment. I just gave them about 30 seconds to do this short exercise. I didn't make them think or anything like that. Just here you go, just write it down. And here's what we came up with with, with as a family unit. One person wrote video games, a snake, and a dead snake. 
I, I chose not to ask about that. I, I don't know where that's going to lead, so I just left it there. Another person wrote new dining chairs and new sofas. Another person wrote to go camping. Another person wrote Pokemon TV, Pokemon Ultramoon. They're, they're foreign language to me. I don't know what that means. And one person who shall remain nameless said one week family vacation in Hawaii and then iMac Pro. And, and you know, the point of exercise for me with, with my family was this. You see, on any given day and on any given moment, our list of what we long for and desire will change. But on this side of eternity, the list of what we desire and long for will never, ever have an end. And some things that we desire are not wrong or sinful in and of themselves, but here's the point. Everything we long for on this side of glory will pale in comparison to the beauty and truth of God. And they will be, they will only serve as echoes and counterfeits to what we truly long for and desire, which is God himself. And when, when that day comes, when we see Jesus face to face, all longings and all desires will finally come to an end. You see, dear friends, only God is sufficient to be the end of our longings because our longings were created by God and for him. So our desire for life, love, and beauty, our longings for significance, purpose, and meaning, they all find their contentment. They all find their satisfaction in God alone. So friends, do we long for God the way that the psalmist longed for God? And if we're willing to be honest with ourselves this morning, more often than not, the answer is no. And when the answer is no, it is never because God isn't glorious or beautiful enough or because God has hidden himself to us. The scripture does do not give us those options. More often than not, we don't long for God because we are far too easily distracted and far too easily pleased. And this is what C.S. Lewis says in his book, The Weight of Glory. He writes, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drinking and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go up making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. He says we are far too easily pleased. In what ways might, might this be true of us this morning? In what ways are we chasing after temporary and fleeting pleasures of this world when we are offered the truth and beauty of God himself? For some of us, our longings are too wrapped up in our family and perhaps our children, you know, how our children are doing in comparison to others. Maybe for some of us, it's our desire to go to the school of our dreams and, ha and get the job of our dreams, marry the spouse of our dreams, and live in the neighborhood of our dreams. And for others, perhaps our longings are too wrapped up in having financial com comfort and security. So whatever 
your longings are, they will always pale in comparison to God's glory uh, and, and truth because our longings were created by God and for himself. In what ways are our longings and desires misplaced and misdirected? The psalmist says in verse four, blessed are those who dwell in your house ever singing your praise. You see, we are the most blessed and happy when we are in the presence of our living God. There's blessedness in the longing, in longing for God and and all that he is to us and for us. Second, there's blessedness in the pilgrimage. You know, as I mentioned at the beginning, this song was written for, for Israelites who were on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And for the psalmist, this pilgrimage itself mattered just as much as the destination. Look at verse 5. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, and in whose heart are the highways to Zion. The image here is that of a road already mapped out, a journey that is well-frequented by others. It is a pilgrimage that is not aimless, but purposeful. And the journey is always purposeful because in and through the journey, God is committed to forming and shaping our hearts and desires to love and to trust him. It's in and through the pilgrimage that God desires for us to become a people whose longings and affections are stirred for the things that move him, whose hearts break for the things that break his heart, and whose desires are shaped by his desires. You see, our life with God on this pilgrimage was never meant to be primarily obligatory and religious, you know, confined to our own little worlds and comfort. God, in the midst of our pilgrimage, is at work in tuning our hearts and affections to him so that we might get caught up in loving what he loves and hating what he hates. In our pilgrimage, we learn and grow to care about what he cares about. And in so doing, by his enabling grace, and with the strength he provides, we join with him in the, in the work of leaving the world around us in better shape than we found it. I love verse six. The psalmist writes, as they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The image of, image of valley of Baca is that of a dry and lifeless place and it can also take on the meaning of valley of weeping or sadness. So in other words, when our longings are directed toward God and he begins to form and shape our hearts and affections toward the things that matter to him, he enables us to be a source of life, light, and blessing in a broken and fractured world. One commentator says it this way. He writes, this is a poetic way of saying that when someone whose heart is filled with love for Zion travels through the dry and lifeless valleys, he or she makes that very tough and sad place into one of life-giving waters. 
a place and time that is in its very nature hostile to life will be turned into a place where there is life simply because walking through it is someone in whose heart are the highways to Zion. Friends, I love this picture. This, this is a picture of what life with God looks like as we journey through a broken and fractured world. As we go through dry and lifeless places in our pilgrimage, we make it a place of springs through our worship and our witness and our work because God is in the business. God is in the work of bringing life to dead places. You know, some time ago, I had a conversation with my oldest son about, you know, about some bullying that he's, he's seen at, at school. And in, in the course of our conversation, I, I, I tried my best to encourage him and, and I challenged my son to be bold and courageous, you know, to speak of for those who are vulnerable, to those who are voiceless, speak of for those who can't seem to stand up for themselves. And as I was saying those things, I was trying to encourage him, and in a moment of Holy Spirit-inspired clarity, I said these words, to, and friends, I say Holy Spirit-inspired because I myself was shocked at what came out of my mouth. Like, I myself couldn't believe how beautiful the gospel was in that moment because of what I said. And this is no false humility. I genuinely mean that it was the, I really believe it was the Holy Spirit. I said to him, we speak up for the voiceless and we stand, worth, stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves because that's who we are. You see, it's not simply just a moral thing to do. It's not simply just a nice and kind thing to do for another person. I think it's far more profound than that. This is about who we are as people loved and chosen by God. This is who we are, and this is what we do. You know, so personally, when it comes to the issue of social justice and racism that's surrounding I have to be committed to reading and listening and learning because this is who I am as a child of God. I have to be committed to growing. I have to be committed to listening because this is who I am as a citizen of heaven, longing for God's rule and reign to be established here on earth as it is in heaven. And this is who I am as a fellow pilgrim saved by grace and called by God to participate in leaving the world better than I had found it. Brothers and sisters, God is in the work of bringing life to dead places. This is who he is, and this is what he does. And when we are filled up with longings for God, he empowers us and equips us to be a source of life and blessing in dry and lifeless places. This is who we are. And this is who we are because God first loved us in Christ when we were in dark and lifeless places of our own. When we couldn't muster up the strength, nor the courage, nor the faith to cry out to God, God came near to us in Jesus, and he loved us. He loved us when our longings are often misplaced and misdirected. He loved us enough and he called us by name and he saved us and rescued us so that we might participate with him in making the world better than we found it. 
I love what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 18 and following. He says, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. And he says, God making his appeal through us. So therefore, we carry with us the light of the gospel into dark places. We carry with us the hope of the gospel into hopeless places. And we carry with us the message of reconciliation into broken and fractured relationships. And we carry with us the ministry of compassion to those who are suffering and afflicted because simply yet profoundly, this is who we are. Dear friends, where are the dry and lifeless places around you? Where might God be calling you to enter into the mess and into the chaos, into the darkness and into the lifelessness? Where might God be um, equipping you and resourcing you so that you might enter in and leave that place better than you found it? Friends, there is blessedness in our pilgrimage. Lastly and quickly, there's also blessedness in the reward. So the longing, the pilgrimage, and the reward. The psalmist imagines and envisions what it's likely to, to finally arrive at the temple. And in verse 10, he says, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. So according to the psalmist, it is better to be in God's presence just for a day than a thousand days elsewhere. It is better to be a humble servant as a doorkeeper in God's house than anywhere outside of God's presence. Why? Because at the end of our pilgrimage, God himself is going to be our reward. Listen to verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. I'd rather be in the courts of God just for a day than a thousand days elsewhere because the Lord God is a sun and shield. God himself is a source of light and life, and it's in the fullness of his presence that we will become fully alive and we will become who we were meant to be. It's in the fullness of his presence that we will be, the most, we will be most alive than we've ever been. That's why it's better to be in the presence of God. But not only that, verse 11 continues, he writes, for the Lord bestows favor, which is his grace, and he bestows honor, which is his glory, and he says, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Sisters and brothers, this promise and hope find their yes and amen in Jesus Christ. You see, God indeed did not withhold anything good when he sent his son Jesus to become the true and final temple where he made his dwelling among and with us. Jesus, the son of God, took on the form of a humble servant and he suffered and died for our sin so that we can be brought near to the presence of God forever. 
on the cross, God did not spare his own son in order that we might have complete and total access to the throne of grace, not as doorkeepers, but as daughters and sons, as co-heirs with Christ. Jesus lived the perfect life we should have lived, and he died the death that we deserve to die, and he rose again from the grave so that God might bestow on us grace instead of judgment and glory instead of shame. It is because of the cross of Jesus that we can experience the love and the embrace of God instead of his wrath and condemnation. And if that is not good news enough, God made his dwelling in us through the presence of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? In other words, in Christ, we have the very presence of God, God dwelling in us through his spirit. Therefore, there is no more pilgrimage to take, to, to be, pilgrimage to take to be with God. In Christ and through his Holy Spirit in us, God has taken up residence in our hearts and the Spirit of God confirms in us God's unwavering love for us and his steadfast commitment to form Christ in us. And the Holy Spirit confirms in us his faithful resolve to finish the good work that he began in us for his glory for our joy, for the satisfaction of all of our longings, and for the good of the world around us. Friends, I love the way that the psalmist ends. He ends with these words in verse 12. He writes, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Blessed is the one who trusts in you. Considering all that God is for us in Jesus Christ. How can we not long for him? How can we not trust him? How can we not follow him wherever he leads us? To our friends that are joining us today, if you are not a believer yet, friends, I want to tell you, you are created by God and for him. And there's longing in your hearts there are desires in your hearts that this world will never be able to satisfy and meet because your longings were created by God and those longings can only be met and satisfied by God himself. So today, would you trust him? Today, would you repent of your misguided, misdirected longings? Would you come before him and give your life to him because he loves you? You are created by him and for him, and he desires a relationship with you, and he came from heaven to earth to save you, to rescue you, to redeem you, to give you life, meaning, and purpose. Would you trust him this morning? And to my brothers and sisters, God is in the work of bringing life to lifeless places. Let's listen Let's learn, let's grow, let's engage. Because the broken and fractured world around us needs people that are walking with the Lord, needs people that are filled with his desires and filled with his longings so that we will be committed to leaving this world better than we found it for our neighbors, for our children, 
for the next generation that will come after us. Friends, let's follow hard after Jesus. Let's long for him with all that we have. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you that that you not only save us, but Lord, you call us to walk with you and to follow after you as you are bringing light and life and blessing to dry and lifeless places. What an invitation. So God, would you stir our hearts and our affections this morning for more of you? God, would you draw us out? Would you draw us further in? That God, that you might be everything that we long for and need. We pray this for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.